I'm Steve McLeod and this is Bootstrapped. It's a podcast for people running bootstrapped software companies or wanting to run one. I run two bootstrapped software products, Feature Upvote, which lets your customers vote on ideas to improve your product, and Sabre Feedback, which offers a feedback widget you can add to your website. Follow along as I learn from talking to other bootstrappers and experts, and just maybe you'll learn something too. Today, I'm joined by Nick Franklin, founder of Chartmogul. Welcome, Nick. Thanks so much for having me, Steve. Excited to be here. I'm very happy to have you on the show. Now, Nick, this is going to be a bit different to usual. This is a show for bootstrappers, and usually I interview bootstrappers, but let's come clean at the beginning and say that Chartmogul is not bootstrapped. If I understand correctly, you took investment. Was that venture capital funds you took at some point? Yeah, that's right. Uh, we have raised a total of $3.7 million uh, in seed seed financing, and mostly from VCs, but we also have some awesome angel investors in there as well. Yeah. Okay. So this is a chance for me and for our listeners to hear what it's like for somebody doing things on the, the other stream and learn you know, some of the advantages and disadvantages of that. I'll try to be non-confrontational when I'm asking you why you chose not to be bootstrapper and so on. Uh, but before we do that, let's tell let's talk a bit about Chartmogul, what it does, and why you started it. Yeah, sure. So Chartmogul is a subscription data platform. Uh, we are a product that allows you to do things like subscription analytics and subscription metrics reporting. So it's a platform that you can plug in your your payment and billing systems like Stripe, Recurly, Chargebee, PayPal maybe even the App Store, Apple App Store, if you're selling mobile subscriptions or Google Play, or even if you're just using something you built in-house, you can connect to our API or upload a CSV file with all your subscription payment billing or event data. We then store that, aggregate it, process automatically your key subscription metrics like MRR, churn rate, lifetime value, aggregate your cash flow even, which is pretty useful also. And then, yeah, we provide, so, so what the, there's two pieces of core value our product does. Well, the first is sort of automation. So what I just talked about, importing, normalizing, generating metrics to try and do that yourself would be really a lot of work. Like it would be exhausting and it doesn't really make sense to, to build, build it yourself. Better to buy versus build. It just saves a lot of time, keeps you more agile. And the second piece, so, so the first piece of value is just, you know, kind of automation, time-saving, et cetera. You know, the same reason that somebody, you know, uses AWS instead of building <laughs> their own stuff. But the second piece of value is, is probably insight. So, you know, you can use our analytics platform to inform decision-making about how to, you know, sort of grow, best grow your subscription business faster. So you might use it to inform decisions around pricing and packaging or to you know slice up the the the, the churn by reasons you can say okay well what's causing the most churn where should we focus our efforts or things like that so yeah so those are the two main pieces of value that it provides okay uh, and yes it's a SaaS product it's used by a lot of companies many of whom are other SaaS yeah. businesses and some are consumers consumers apps apps businesses and things like that yeah 
Thank you. And a disclaimer here: I am a chart mogul customer. Uh, when I post Ooh. nice, <laughs> when I post nice charts on our discussion forum showing the growth of my uh, monthly recurring revenue, those nice charts have come straight from chart mogul. I tend to obliterate the Y graph because I don't want people to actually see the revenue, but I'd like them to see the direction. I do the same thing. Not everybody does. There's the whole open startups movement where you know people really just copy and paste, and that's interesting and exciting. And I always retweet those, and I love it. Oh, really? Oh, that's a trick. If you want to get retweeted by by Nick, the founder of Chart Mogul, then post an open picture of your Chart Mogul stats with the Y axis showing. I'll just add two things there. One, I don't have that many Twitter followers. So I'm not that popular, but we also, we'll also do it from the Charmogul account too. We always do that. So you get two retweets pretty much automatically. But also if you are an employee, make sure you, that you check with the, maybe the, the CEO or whoever. Yeah. <laughs> you're, like, you're allowed to do that. But don't, I don't want to get fired because, uh, or get in trouble, you know, because they're... they're Excellent sure. piece of advice. Hey, I... It was not on our script or on our plan here, but I'm going to tell a little anecdote about something that Chart Mogul revealed to me recently. So we started Feature Up Vote at $29 per month, and then it went up to $49, and now it's $99 per month. And I recently used Chart Mogul's ability to, I think you call them cohorts or something, well, maybe not cohorts, but to filter by customers who are paying less than, I picked the number of $60 per month, and those pay yeah. more than $60 per month. So I could compare churn and so on. It was an eye-opener. I discovered that the customers who basically are on our high a new pricing plan basically don't mm. churn. Well, okay, everybody has some churn, but it's so tiny where we've got net minus net MRR churn, whereas those yeah. on the $29 plan, there's a quite a large uh, percentage churn. And I had no idea about that. And Chartmogul made it, it's just quite easy just to create a filter, compare, and I had that numbers. And this was really, it confirmed yeah. to me that I made the right decision by moving our prices higher and therefore attracting a different type of customer. So Absolutely, yeah. That's, that's, that's very, very common. It's, in, in B2C, that, that's, it's a bit different, but in B2B subscription businesses, the higher the price, the lower the churn almost universally. Wow. Uh, yeah, just the type of customer that it, that it attracts and it's very different, very different profile. Do you like industry-wide analysis by combining data from all of your customers? Is that something you're A, allowed to do and B, that you do and find any interesting insights such as what you just shared? So I believe, you know, we're allowed to do it in our terms or, mm -hmm. you know, to kind of anonymously aggregate and look, analyze in order to publish some insights around you know, this kind of what we just talked about, the, the, you know, we have, we can show you exactly, you know, customers paying less than 100 on average churn at this rate, more, you know, that kind of thing. So from day one, I, you know, we wrote that permission in, but we've never actually used it and we have never done that. We are at the moment sort of at this stage now looking to make those kind of data science analyst type hires and building out our own internal, because I mean, we're an analytics company, but we're really a, you know, a, a SaaS product company. Yeah. It just happens to be an analytics product. So we're only, we're just now starting to build out our own data warehouse internally and our own ability to, to do kind of data science on a big scale. So yeah, that is something, a direction that we do want to go in. Hasn't happened yet to date, but uh, yeah, it's somewhere where we want to go. So, so far to date, it's a Charmogul customer. You use your Charmogul account and, and, and that's, that's it. It's like a yeah. silo. So a question, yeah, right. how big is Chartmogul these days? 
so we're we're about forty five people today, and we're we're pretty distributed. Uh, we're in a remote first model. We do have three offices. I'm in one right now. I'm in our WeWork here in Seoul. So we have three. We have three WeWork offices, basically one in Toronto to service the North American market, which is our largest market, and then one in Berlin uh, and one in uh, here in Seoul. Um, but it's probably only around thirty or 40, maybe forty percent of those people of our people are within within commuter distance of of one of these offices the, about 60 percent of folks are fully remote and work from home uh, or wherever uh, okay basically yeah so and and yeah we are we're, we're, we're kind of growing quite a bit so we're trying to we, uh, if you look at our job site it's like there's about 10 open positions so we, we want to reach about 62 people by the end of this this year so we're well, a bit behind we want to be hiring is there a point in which you'll say enough is enough, this is as big as you wanted and you'll stop aiming for significant growth or you just want to keep that chart going up and to the right? So I don't think there's, in terms of revenue and, and customers, the more more is better. In, in my opinion, I don't think you, we should ever stop wishing to have more of that. However, with the number of, of team members, I think that's really, it's more like a product of a need, right? Like if we mm-hmm. didn't need, if we don't need some another person we shouldn't hire them so we haven't reached that we go through phases right like right now we don't have traditionally Chalo has been very very heavily focused on product and engineering to the point where we have something like 25 people in engineering another five or six in product and design um and and so but we haven't had much of a marketing team uh so we've had sales and success and support for a long time but so now we're kind of like okay we feel like we've got the product to the point where it's really, you know, we're getting like a lot of natural momentum and a low churn. So we feel like it's not a leaky bucket. It's time to start investing in marketing. So it's, it comes in, the hiring comes in phases. Now we're like, okay, it's time to hire a marketing team, build that out. So that's why a lot of the, lot of the hiring is also related to that. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to make a brief interlude and ask you, can you hear the helicopter? Is that coming through the microphone? I'm in I'm in Barcelona and there's some unrest going on here. There's often unrest. And I'm just a kilometer from the Catalan Parliament building. And today there seems to be a helicopter doing a circuit in this neighborhood. So I guess there's stuff going on. And it's I hear it quite loud, but you're not picking it up at your end? Not at all. Not at all. Okay. It's funny about helicopters. So so our our rework (laughs) office building is. In, in it's in Gangnam area and we're right next to Samsung Electronics. Uh, they have two similarly sized office buildings and about once every week or two, a helicopter lands on top of the building and drops somebody <laughs> off or picks somebody up. <laughs> so it's, it's quite a sight. It's a huge helicopter and it's really noisy. And it's like, oh, there's the Samsung Electronics CEO or some important guy or, you know, arriving or departing or whatever. <laughs> And that's Chart Mogul in a couple of years' time. <laughs> I don't think that's any SaaS company. Uh, so, so, if it's not bothering you, that's good. It means it's not bothering our, our listeners. So, let's go back to the questions that are actually about your business. So, how different is Chart Mogul today to what you envisaged it being when you started it? You know, I it's it's hard to know. I mean, my experience of SaaS came from Zendesk. So I joined Zendesk very early. I was one of the first like 10 people in that company. So it's really small. And it grew like crazy fast where we we, we kind of, um, I joined shortly after their A round and we had B, C, D, E round in the, in the period of 
four years basically um and, and we went we went public like five years after i i, I joined um i'm just going to make a, a quick note there to our listeners who are probably not uh into what vc terms are these a round b round c round this is just more investment coming in or like people buying yeah. okay Sorry yeah, for yeah. And back, back in, this was like 2009, 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14. So that period, the, the, the numbers were smaller than they are now. Like um, the largest round Zendesk did was something like $60 million. Now you hear the headlines on TechCrunch and it's like they did their series E and it's 300 million. Or so, you know, it's, it's, the numbers have got crazy big, but the concept was is quite similar, right? Mm-hmm. We were scaling rapidly and uh, we were growing, we were hiring. I was mostly responsible for international expansion. For my first role for like two, and two or so years was the head of the kind of EMEA Europe region. And then secondly, it was the head of the Asia Pacific region uh, or Asia region, Asia Pacific minus uh, Australia, New Zealand. Those were the I, where you're from, but I wasn't responsible for, <laughs> for that. I, mean, I visited New Zealand one for 24 hours. Uh, uh, it's not quite there. enough time to see everything the country has to offer. Yeah, yeah. I remember meeting with like Vend and some some cool local customers, but and I wish I'd stayed longer. But it was like on the tail end of like a five week business trip or something. Uh-huh. You're not going to tell me you spent more time in Australia than New Zealand, are you? I, well, I have to because uh, uh-huh. that's where Zendesk. Asia Pacific, uh, you know, office was in downtown Melbourne and still is. Yeah, so that yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think I think going <laughs> like Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Auckland, and then I was like, okay, I've been on the road for about five weeks now. I need to go home. <laughs> uh, okay, I think I can forgive you. Hey, did you ever think about bootstrapping, Chat Mogul? Were you convinced right from day one that you needed to take investment, or was bootstrapping an option? Sure. Let me let me go back to the so the previous question. You say well. How, how did Chartmobile differ from what you thought? Mm. So I was only mentioning the Zendesk experience because I guess that was my whole experience of SaaS before Chartmobile. I, I left Zendesk to start Chartmobile. So I, you know, I thought, well, that's how it happened there. So this is what should happen. Maybe might like that's what we should be doing at Chartmobile. Um, okay. So so we are not like on that same trajectory as, mm-hmm. you know, by, by now Zendesk would be, you know, Chartmobile would be, you know, probably, you know, going towards IPO, you know, and things like that. Yeah. So we're not on that same same trajectory, uh, but we are on a very solid trajectory that I'm proud of. So I can't say, you know, we built a great business. We generate very healthy revenue growth. Uh, customers, I think they are mostly happy. I hope they are employees that I hope are mostly happy. So uh, it hasn't, I think, it's not exactly how I thought. I, I, I thought maybe it will just fail or it yep. will be like Zendesk, but I haven't okay. experienced any, anything in between. So, okay. but, what, but what we've created is something in between. And that's, mm. I think that's really awesome anyway. You know, we've created a great business right now. Maybe you could call it an SMB. And, it, you know, it's going to become a, a mid-market business that generates, you know, a lot of revenue um, and, and employs a lot of people. I'm sure in a year's time, we'll employ 100 people or, or more, you know, or, or, mm-hmm. or, or a year or so's time we'll Okay, and you're happy with that? That's you're quite content with how that's turned out. Sure, I mean, always, yeah. I mean, that's that's great. I mean, I'm never satisfied. Like, yeah. always can do better. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I I watch Elon Musk launching rockets on Twitter, and I'm like, 
feel like somehow you know in the, what's the right word inadequate as an entrepreneur uh-huh. <laughs> or like as a as a product builder that I'm not building Teslas and rockets so uh-huh. there's something clearly some something some 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 psychological problem there could, but, could I but, could I suggest that you find somebody else that compare yourself other than Elon Musk <laughs> and then you'll probably feel far more content about what you've achieved I, I, I'm half joking obviously like um, I think we've created we are create we have created and are creating a great SaaS business and I'm very proud of that and proud of the work that the team does. And it's very satisfied. But it's just, I just said, make the point we can always do better. We can yeah. always aim higher. There's always someone to, there's always someone that does better, you know, to, to kind of, you know, so it, I think I'll never be satisfied, but I can't say that I'm disappointed either. Like if it had yeah. failed, that would be disappointing and we yeah. just had to shut it down. That yeah. would have been a disappointment. But that we created instead a great business. Am I satisfied? Sure, a little bit, but. But you're human and uh, obviously a person who strives for to achieve things. Otherwise, you wouldn't have started the company, right? So, so yeah, I'll never be 100% you know, yeah. fully satisfied. We're always trying to build it. We're always trying to get to the next milestone. And as soon as we get yeah. there, we enjoy it for 20 out, 24 yeah. hours. And then it's like, okay, what's the next milestone? That wears off here. So, so yeah. Chart mogul is profitable, right? Uh, yeah, like it depends on the on the month or, or, you know, if, you know, in terms of accounting profitability, maybe in terms of cash flow month to month, sometimes we spend more than comes in. Sometimes we we generate uh, more cash than than we that we spend. So, yeah. are you taking more rounds of investment, or you're kind of done with that? Uh... So right now we're perfectly happy. We're, we're growing our revenues at a very healthy pace, which enables us to do all this hiring. So that is the strategy right now. However, if we see an opportunity to do things better or to that where we could take advantage of where additional capital helps. But right now we're well capitalized as a company and we have strong revenue growth. So we're kind of able to hire the people we need to hire, make the investments we need to make, uh, but never say never. You know, there's, there's lots of, there's also different types of capital, right? There's VCs yeah. which we, and, and yeah. angels which we've raised to date, but there's other types of capital as well. But so far we haven't seen a need for it. So we haven't done it, but, I, you know, never say never. I mean, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe you know, we want to make an acquisition or maybe we want to, uh. you know, we, we, see, we see a way to really grow rapidly through, you know, a form of paid marketing or something like that. Mm-hmm. But like, so far at this moment, there's not a plan to play right now. This is a nice time to segue into marketing. How does Chartmogul get their customers? Well, I know how you got um, me as a customer, but I'm interested to see how you think you get your customers. Well, I'll say the first thing I say is attribution is pretty complex and hard anyway. So I don't think any SaaS company that I'm aware of that has a lot of customers knows exactly how all their customers hear about them. Uh, okay, that's the most honest admission I've heard on this whole point of how did you get your customers? We don't know completely. Yeah. So the majority is word of mouth. And like when they do come from Google, the, the main keyword is chart mogul. So that doesn't help much <laughs> either because that's mostly word of mouth. Paid does like doing paid keyword SEM accounts for, you know, a bit, but it's probably less than 10%. Um, so we, we invest a lot into content. Mm-hmm. Attributing content is really hard, right? Yeah, and if you look at our content, we do we do run paid retargeting ads. If you viewed our content and you you don't block the, the the tracking or whatever for that, so we do try paid in places. And so yeah, we, we invest in content from day one. We we try to produce great value add content, but we don't gate it. So we don't want to like collecting their yeah. email addresses if they yeah. look at our 
content. If they want to download one of our PDF resources on SaaS metrics, they can download it and not tell us anything about themselves. And so, it, you know, we don't, I think that's just, that's just the better way to go. But that doesn't mean you don't get to track exactly who downloaded it and things like that. So, yeah, mostly word of mouth. I think people like the product and then they talk about it. Uh, mm -hmm. We do some partner marketing so with our wonderful partners like Stripe and Recurly and Chargebee. We do like co, you know, co webinars with their, you know, their audience and our audience, or we're listed in the Stripe marketplace of products. So there's some there's some of that too. The users of Stripe might find out about us because they're we're listed in the Stripe marketplace, for example. Can we go back to content? So I can think of some obvious things you could write content about for your product, you know, defining the common SaaS metrics like MRR and churn, lifetime value, and, you know, how to reduce churn. It's a few things come to mind, but I think I would hit uh, the wall pretty quickly if my job was to come up with uh, some interesting content for a product that, let's face it, it's a rather dry field. It's not like... Uh, well, I used to work in the poker industry. In poker, you could just write about endlessly. So has that happened? Did you find it hard to keep coming up with more content? I'm going to come, come back at you there. I don't think chart mogul is in a dry field. You, yeah, you, you sure you could say, well, it's just a glorified Excel, but it's, you know, or it's a data product, it's analytics product. But honestly, if you're, our main users and customers are SaaS founders, SaaS CEOs, and other folks like yourself, and like, those people are really passionate about running their business. They're super, they're super passionate about it. It's part of their life. Mm -hmm. I know there's all this stuff you shouldn't, your startup shouldn't be your life. The reality is, is for anyone yeah. who's started, for anyone who's <laughs> build, <laughs> building a company, it's part of your life. And so Charmobile kind of sits at the center of that. And it's like the, the kind of cockpit from where you, you run your business. So we can, we can write about anything around how to run a subscription business, you know, how to help people who run subscription businesses do it better. And there's, there's almost unlimited set of topics mm -hmm. that, that you could choose about how, how do you run a better subscription business that, 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 that our audience of SaaS founders, CEOs, product people might find useful or interesting or something like that. And yes, it is hard, of course, when you've been writing for six years on a topic, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, to, to like think of what's the next piece going to be. Is it going to like, you know, and, and we, we try not to, uh, just pump out content marketing, but instead we, you know, we hire experts to, you know, really think hard about, okay, what's going to be, you know, what's an interesting new thing. So we're adding to the conversation. We're not just, yeah, we're not just publishing like marketing materials, but we're actually creating something of value regardless of whether or not you're going to use chat or not. Okay. I have to say I was kind of putting my own situation onto you in which I am finding it hard to keep coming up with interesting things to write for one of our products. And uh, Oh, it's, all, it's, it's definitely hard. It's definitely hard. Yeah, I mean, uh, for sure. <laughs> you know, you just have to look at the BBC website and look at some of the, the wonderful articles that get written uh, on that and just think that, you know, it's pretty hard every single day to come up with, you know, 50 or 100 new yeah. articles. Yeah every single day and it to still be relevant and interesting. I mean, it's a tough job. <laughs> so I found a quote from you from a, another interview you did where you said doubling down on content from day one was a really good decision. It was a long-term investment and it really started to pay off making that investment early. How did you double down on content in the early days? Do you recall? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that was probably the first post-funding. So for the first uh, few months, I, I kind of uh, self-funded 
a company just paying out of my own pocket for some contract engineers or some des like design work and some other things. Then we got uh, funding and uh, the first hire I made post-funding, actually, I think myself, putting myself on the company's payroll. <laughs> that was a wonderful day. <laughs> Second hire, the first hire that wasn't me, uh, was, uh, was a content, uh, head of content. Yeah, and I hired a, I had a great guy. Sadly, he's not, uh, he, he stayed for like four years, I believe. Uh, Ed, Ed Shelley, he's now at Pitch, which is the very cool slideshow app. Uh, but yeah, I hired him basically like the first few weeks after getting the funding. Uh, and and uh, yeah, he, he came from a product and engineering background. And then I was like, okay. <laughs> Let's do something can write, different. Can you, just, can you just write stuff all day? <laughs> so yeah. But yeah uh, and he was, he was he's great at it. And now I got it. Uh, Ilya has created it. And then we're, we're also trying to hire Anna, another person as well. So, so this yeah. uh, Ed, you said his name was, came on full time when you hired him. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a yeah. yeah, full-time hire. Yeah. Um, you literally yeah. did double down, like your first hire. So you increased the, the headcount from one to two. You literally doubled well, with a well, content. The first, the first non, the first uh, hire after funding. So we already had some engineers. Ah. Uh, yeah, as well, uh, before that. So moving on to pricing, I think the model you have for pricing is interesting. And I'm guessing that it took you a while to settle on the pricing model you have. Do you want to describe how, yeah. how you price uh, chart mogul yeah so we have a free plan it's completely free 100 percent. it's pretty fully featured it might only be missing one or two very small features so you get really a generous package i guess uh, if you are less than 10k ten thousand dollars us dollars mrr this has actually created some confusion with australian and uh, New Zealand customers where they <laughs> they hit ten thousand they hit ten thousand they hit uh, I, I guess not that bad for the thing you'll put it they, go, they, they think go they're using it for free and they're just wondering why this bill hasn't arrived. I think it, I think it's more confusing for British companies where they're using the British pound and therefore uh -huh. they're, they're at like 8,000 pounds and then it like, they get a paywall uh, basically like New York Times style paywall that says, congratulations, you hit $10,000. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I wasn't even tracking dollars, I was tracking pounds. So we probably should think, think maybe think that, think that user experience through. But anyway, if you're tracking uh, US, you know, if, once you hit ten thousand dollars in in monthly recurring revenue, you, you have to basically pay pay for the product, and you get a paywall. And you know, obviously, some people might I don't know what off the top of my head what the conversion rate is. Some people might say, "Well, I don't want to pay," and they don't. But uh, I think the majority of people that have been using it properly and you know really getting into it, they they convert to the paid paid account. And basically, you know, it starts at a hundred. There's a base platform price of a hundred dollars. And that opens up all the features. And then it's $25 per uh, $10,000, additional $10,000. So if, you, you know, if you're making uh, uh, $30,000 or you know, it's like $150 or something like that. So it adds an extra $25 uh, on uh, per 10. So it's basically, it trends towards 0.25% of MRR. Okay. Okay. In the long so, so run. Yeah. It's a small, like if you think like a billing system might charge 1% or so of MRR or something like that, or a payment, Yeah, if, if it's a payment plus billing system, a bit more, yeah. they obviously the credit card fees, but like maybe it's more like three or 4%. But like, so we just felt like 0.25%, uh, it trends towards that. Of course, there's, a, there's an initial $100 platform yeah. price, but then on top it's 0.25% on top of that. So, so yeah, that's been our pricing now for I think nearly three years. And it, it's the first time that, yeah, for the first like, 
two, two or so years, we really changed the pricing a lot. And so uh, this was the best way of aligning things with like, our mission is to help people, companies really help them grow their subscription business, run it better, reduce churn, you know, increase conversion. You can also track free trials and conversion, things like that. So it kind of aligns it with our mission to help them grow their subscription business. Um, so the incentives are aligned. And if it works and people do grow, um, then you know we benefit from that and they benefit from that to the tune of 99.75%. Yeah. And we benefit yeah. to the tune of 0. 0.25. And obviously if they're for our larger customers where they do get, you know, to the big larger numbers like five, 10 million, 20 million ARR and beyond, we, we usually do an annual custom pricing where it's you know, always tiered. We say, okay, if you're making between 10 and 20 million a year, it's this price, 20 to 30 million is this price. Um, but yeah, the normal thing is, yeah, it's like this. And um, yeah, before, I guess the reason we, we chose that in the end was because um, we started off as customer-based pricing. And the problem there was... So that meant that you would charge me according to how many customers I had? How many paid subscribers you had, yeah. Right. How many paid, paid subscribers. The, the issue there was like some people, some companies might have 100 customers paying lots of money. And someone might have, uh, you know, 100,000 customers paying very little money. Mm. And the 100,000 company may be making the same amount of revenue. Now, it costs us a little bit more to service the high volume custom comp company because they've got more data. But their ability to pay us is like uh, just the same. And, and But our pricing model completely broke where it'd be like, okay, you've got 100,000 customers. Therefore, it's going to be like, you know, $50,000 a month or, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And they're like, well, we're not making that much revenue. Uh, so it was really hard to reconcile high volume B2B or high volume or consumer businesses with low volume B2B. So we're like, it just became a mess where we'd have to do like heavy discounting if it was a high volume consumer business. And then we have all these discounts. So we're like, okay, just scratch that revenue-based pricing, scrap all the discounts, keep it simple. And it's it's been wonderful because we don't have to think about it. We don't discount. We just say, that's the price. It's fair. It's, you know, everyone, okay, yes. Some people have more data than others, but, uh, you know, it, it kind of just makes things simple and easy for us. So when you settled right. on that pricing system for you that works, did you find that it unlocked growth that you weren't experiencing beforehand? I don't know if it unlocked growth. It definitely made the company, it just made day-to-day -day life working at the company much simpler. And it, it made the sales cycle shorter. Like that we weren't, we don't discount, we eliminated like this like discounting uh, mm. thing because it's like, it's just fair. It's, it's like 0.25%. Yeah. So I think it definitely helped just the smooth running of the business. In terms of unlocking growth, I'd say, Auto upgrading and auto, like if your revenue goes down, we charge you less. If your revenue goes up, we charge you more. And we used to do that with customer account too. But in the beginning, we didn't. And it was like a lot of back and we used to say to the customer, oh, you know, you've gone over the tier and, you know, like it was a, a lot of back and forth. And I think having just this system, like most companies like, like do, like uh, they just, it's just volume based. If it goes up, you pay more. If it goes down, you pay less. And yeah. that's definitely good. I mean, that's definitely a good way to, to, to organize pricing, in my opinion. Did you get outside help to 
understand what pricing would work or is this just based on your own experience over time and trying things throwing things at it and seeing what works mm, yeah i remember one of our one of our vcs was not really outside it's sort of semi you know <laughs> so that one of our one of our vcs did spend a lot of time with us helping with uh, some excel modeling of pricing but actually for our most recent pricing change which was a couple of years ago where we moved to the this this current scale pricing and I think we did it in-house, uh, that analysis. Yeah, we didn't work with an agency. Okay, great. But getting towards the end of our time, I'm wondering if, I mean, you're not a bootstrapper, but bootstrappers use chart logo like myself. And sure. I have a question. Given that every cent is carefully watched when you're a bootstrapper, why should a bootstrapper use chart mogul in your opinion? Well, a lot of bootstrappers probably make less than 10K MRR, right? So... Uh, it, it would be free for them anyway, and then they get the benefits of using it that I talked about, like automating the metrics reporting. Um, also, uh, and it's not just automating the reporting. We our product is like an opinionated analytics product, so not you wouldn't always think like, oh yeah, I should measure something. I should measure that, right? So it's like we also bake in our opinion about how our subscription business should be measured and should be when we bake it into the product. So we've done a lot of thinking about that. So it's also getting that the benefit of that work. Whereas if you just try to build these charts yourself, you have to think hard, like what, what should I measure? How should I visualize it? And so there's a lot of that going on. So that you get the benefits of automating the reporting and you get the benefits of all the analytics tools helping you and features to help you understand your business better, understand what's driving growth what's you know is it expansion is it churn is it new business is it contract like what should you be looking at um so i, I mean that's why bootstrappers i don't think there's any difference i mean it's still subscription business subscription business you bootstrap yeah. your vc fund it doesn't matter <laughs> like you, can, you still want to there's not a there's not a there's not a ceo of a subscription business out there that doesn't want their recurring revenue to grow mm-hmm. and that's what our product helps you do so it doesn't really matter it doesn't yeah. really matter if you're uh, if you're a bootstrap or not Cost money. So, I mean, if you really want watching every cent and you don't want to spend money, then, then sure. <laughs> yeah, but but it's a time. Money is time too, even for bootstrappers. Money is time, and honestly, our product makes you makes you money. Mm. Like if you, it, if it helps you make a key pricing decision, or it helps you understand how to get the inflection of your MRR growth higher. Pace yourself, my opinion. Yeah. So. Okay, that's a good answer. That's all we have time for today, Nick. So let's wrap things up. Where should people go to more learn about you or if they want to get in touch? Sure, yeah, like Twitter. I'm on Twitter. I think the DMs are open. It's Nick underscore Franklin. Feel free to ping me. My email address, Nick, N-I-C-K at chartmogul.com. You can email me. But yeah, Twitter usually, yeah. That's where we initially got in touch. Okay, Nick, thanks for being on the show today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Bye, Nick, and bye, everybody. That concludes this episode of Bootstrapped. You can discuss this episode and other bootstrapping topics on our forums at discuss.bootstrapped.fm. Bootstrapped.